This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay, and I'm so grateful you're here today. Today, you are listening to episode 305, and it's a little bonus episode, a little extra episode this week with Tina Muir and Knox Robinson. These two amazing people just started a new podcast called Running Realized. I listened to the first episode a couple weeks ago and knew I wanted to have them on this show so that you all could learn more about it if you aren't already tuning in. Now, Tina's been on my podcast before. I just went back and checked. She was actually episode five of this podcast, which is just crazy. Um, That episode aired April 2016, so it's wild how time has gone by. I know that's just like what happens, right? Time goes by. Um, It's really not that wild, but here we are. Anyway, Tina hosts the podcast Running For Real. She's a 236 marathoner herself, and she had this idea for a new podcast and has partnered with Knox Robinson. Knox is the co-founder of Black Roses NYC Run Crew. He has spent many years working in the music industry. He is a 233 marathoner himself. And we're going to learn a little bit more about his life and what he's up to in this podcast episode. But friends, Running Realized is the podcast we're here to talk about. Running Realized is a space to explore, discuss, and provide insight to create meaningful change. Tina and Knox tell stories, consult with experts, and search for actionable ways that we all can be a part of the solution. I enjoyed the first episode of the show so much, and they already have another episode out, so it's an every other week show. So this conversation will give you a little bit of a glimpse into what the show is all about and what the meaning behind it is. Well, today on the podcast, I am so excited to welcome Tina Muir and Knox Robinson to the show. Welcome to all have another friends. Thank you. Oh, thanks. Stoked to spoke to stoked to be here. Listen, everybody, we tried to do this, and Knox was hanging out <laughs> in a tent in Tanzania. He's way cooler than the rest of us, and yeah. so we had to reschedule. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks. Thanks for your patience as we reschedule. I just basically just off the plane, and um, as I was saying, I swapped the the mosquito net tent for uh, a sterile Sheraton in downtown Brooklyn. So this is uh this <laughs> this is what you get. <laughs> so why are you at a Sheraton though? Don't you live in New York? Um, actually, I relocated uh, to Los Angeles about halfway through, or at the uh, closer to the end of last year. I still kind of go back and forth, um, seeing family and friends. But um, most of my stuff is is in Los Angeles. But I stopped back here uh, on the way back to L.A. Oh, wow. Sounds like a glamorous life. Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I always keep the video off. It's less than- <laughs> well, OK, friends, Tina was one of my very first guests. I think mm-hmm. were you maybe episode five, six, four? I don't know. 
I'm sorry, Lindsay, I cannot remember which number I was, but yeah, it was pretty early on, I think. Uh, but we formed a friendship over the years, and Tina and I, um, we learn a lot from each other in the podcasting world, and it's been really fun to see your show grow and change, and you evolve into the person and podcaster that you really want to be. We had this long conversation about that last week, and um, I've been thinking about it a lot, and I'm just like... It's beautiful what you've done. So congratulations, Tina. Well, thank you. And I feel the same for you. It's it's really coming together. And Knox is a guest who probably should have been on the show by himself a long time ago. But here we are today. Um, we get to learn about your new podcast together, Running Realized. But real quick, Knox, before we talk about Running Realized, give us like a brief synopsis of of your history with running culture. Yeah, I mean, for me, I've been working um, in and around running culture pretty ardently for, I guess, maybe the past 10 years. Um, grew up around running, watched my dad run um, in Southern California in the in the late 70s and the early 80s in, in that running boom of that time. Um, but I guess a few years ago, 10 years ago at this point, I started having some life changes and, and was moving away from um, some of the other kind of work I was doing. I, I've worked as a, a magazine editor and a music biz uh, manager as well. And I was kind of stepping away from the pressures and the vicissitudes of that lifestyle. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and wanted to explore the centrality that, that running has in my life. So I had this idea uh, coming out of the magazine business that I would create um, an expensive luxury uh, running magazine, <laughs> um, and uh, put together the pieces for that, and, and shot eighty percent of, of of the first issue, and then Instagram kind of took off, and Instagram <laughs> was like much more fun. So I still have a hard drive of like all these fashion images of 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 Olympians at a training center in Mexico in the desert. You know, really incredible work. But um, yeah, I, I had more fun just getting back up to my old tricks. So. Um, here we are, 2021, and I'm I'm excited to to pair with Tina for a new venture um, to to get this podcast out and and to share some ideas. Tell us about running realized. Who came up with the idea, and what is it? I listened to the first episode, and it was wonderful. Thank you, Knox. Do you want to say it, or shall I? Well, yeah, no, Tina, like jump in. I mean, all credit goes to Tina to have this idea. I think if I related my perspective on on the genesis of the podcast, um, it would be more comedic than uh, perhaps Tina's straightforward telling, the, the truth, as it were. I'd probably embroider, <laughs> I'd embroider the story and give myself a little undue credit. So Tina, why don't you just take it and tell what really happened? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's going to come back to the fact that uh, I was so... For many years, I'd, I'd followed Knox and I'd just kind of looked at him from afar and just been so in awe of him, but he felt way too cool. So for me cool. To ever be. Yeah. I, so I feel like, that. No, I felt like I was in school and like he was the cool kid. And so <laughs> I was like, I'm not even going to try. And so for a long time, I didn't. And then it was actually a mutual friend of ours. I was I was saying I was looking at my 200th episode and I was like, I gotta, you know, find someone who I, I 
feel good about and um so I got a mutual friend to send this email and Knox responded and and you ended up giving me your phone number so we could text to find a time and I was like oh wow I'm (laughs) I'm texting Knox Robinson and um (laughs) and then uh we we went we talked on my podcast and then we kept talking and we just built this friendship over time and um and then I was out on a trail run one day and I was just thinking about um uh, the fact that I felt I could ask Knox anything like uncomfortable questions that I had or um, things that I wanted to know like again Knox wasn't only cool but he seemed so wise and um, just uh, I had so much to learn so I was like you know I really love that I can ask him these questions and I thought well what if we put that in a podcast form and so as soon as I got in my car I called Knox and I think Knox it was like 6 a.m or something your time you were in LA and or maybe 8 a.m or something and he, on a Sunday and he I hope answered it was six. And, <laughs> no, I feel like it might have been it's uh, it's eight, eight. Uh, it probably was six it probably was although Lindsay and I sometimes text at like five in the morning uh-huh. so it's just me um but yeah and then I was like telling him just probably in my usual fashion of just rambling on and on and he was like sure like I mean, in in your Knox way of like, let's make a vibe or whatever it was you said, <laughs> but um, I, I he basically said yes, and um, and I had in mind the other person who I thought would be the um, a producer, and so we reached out to to John and and just yeah, it, it, immediately we started talking, and then we had what Knox like two hour phone calls like once a week for a while, and then. Uh, well, you'd been traveling a little bit, but I ventured outside of St. Louis for the first time and only time in a year to go to New York to record this. And and yeah, here we are. Anything I missed, Knox? Yeah, uh, like I said, I, I don't really agree with uh, Tina's version hardly at all. Um, <laughs> so I'm quite content to to leave, um, you know, the blush inducing compliments uh, to the side. But I will say that my own perspective is that it's it's what happens, you know. Tina w- was making her way um, with uh, her own podcasts and was rising up the charts and logging hundreds of episodes and all that's great. But you know, sometimes you become not a victim of your own success, but you start rather than like a lot of folks who just like let success feed their ego mm-hmm. <laughs> off the cliff. I think Tina, from my perspective. Tina got into this zone where she was starting to like have more questions than she had answers. Um, that's an exciting place to be in creatively speaking. And it, and it's a real um, vital place to be in. It, it feels amazing um, uh, to be in that kind of zone. Um, obviously 2020 uh, was an entirely incredibly rupturous year for so many people. And I, my own perspective again uh, was that Tina was kind of coming out of, the fractious um, nature of, of of that year, and and it wasn't enough just to sit up on a podcast and 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 chat about things. It wasn't just enough to move around uh, the coterie of one's friends and kind of repeat the same opinions. And so, much credit to Tina. She's like, "What if I, my perspective, like, what if she cross pollinated her own success?" with some other point of view. What if she went out and got, you know, a hectic, problematic, <laughs> occasionally 
um, challenging <laughs> co-host on a project, um, uh, on a podcast project. And so that's kind of how we, we came together. So I, I think it was really Tina really emerged or like, you know, out of 2020 wanting to kind of like do more. And that was kind of cool to, to respond to that call to action. That's what I love about this so much is that I feel like 2020 left us a, a lot of us like, okay, I want to do more, but what do I do? And, you know, oftentimes when you're out for a run, that's when your most creative thoughts come, at least for me. I don't know mm -hmm. if that's the same for you guys. Would you agree? Yeah, I think totally. the fact this came from this would, would definitely attest to that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I feel like any good idea I've ever come up with is almost always when I'm running or exercising in some way, shape or form. Um, you mentioned 2020. I would love to know what do you both think would be your biggest takeaway from everything that happened in 2020 from the awakening in our, in our society and culture with racial injustice, but just COVID everything. Like it's just such a crazy year. And I know that's a big question, but when I ask that, what do you feel? I think I was running last week uh, and, and kind of thought about that, that very thing. And this is a little esoteric, but my biggest takeaway from 2020, it, it, uh, 12 months ago, I thought things were going to be pretty bad. And I felt like a lot of people around me in the United States or in my circles in New York thought it was going to get better pretty soon. Like people were like, I can't believe they canceled the New York City half marathon. I guess ready for the Brooklyn half marathon. And I'm like, yeah, I'll talk about the OB. Like, <laughs> y'all think we're going to be in a race? Um, so I think I invested so much in, in my own dire calculus for how things were going to go that I didn't, and, and I, and I, that I didn't anticipate that things might not go at all. And I think where we are right now, 12 months later, and I, I have folks uh, around me who disagree, but I feel that we're just like stuck in a repeating pattern. I feel that we haven't really, um, made headway. Uh, on, on a lot of these things that really uh, caught us by surprise. And that could mean everything from coronavirus to uh, racial injustice. And so for me, bizarrely, I feel that obviously we joke about it, but 2020 still still feels like it's still going on. Um, and yeah, I don't know when and if it is. I, not only is it, there's a Groundhog's Day um, <laughs> classic film, but I just saw uh, Palm Spring uh, on a flight and uh, Palm Springs and, and it's like that just every day waking up and, and trying to to figure it out so that's that's my own takeaway that 2020 is still going on mm. <laughs> yeah I, I think that's a, a really good point and you're right that we haven't there's a lot there's so many things that we see already that show we haven't learned a damn thing and and it's only going to keep getting that way uh I mean some people have and yeah we all have in parts but not not nearly enough I I think um I'm trying not to let Knox and I just had a conversation just before this I'm trying not to let that influence me too much because it was such a powerful conversation and we can't wait to share it in about a month's time but um I think for me it was uh realizing that we've got to keep um pushing forward with uh the things that we feel need to change and speaking up for those who are underrepresented but also realizing that we're never 
I, I think in the past I I've always approached things and Knox has very much seen this with me as a person like I'm like I'm gonna we're gonna do this and then we're gonna do it check like um I mm. have a, like a goal in mind and then I'll get there and then it's done all right on to the next thing whereas I think I've realized that with this with everything that we've learned it's this is ongoing we have to we might be able to celebrate things along the way and we should celebrate things along the way but there's no end point and if you look back in our history um there's always been struggles there's always been been things that we've been trying to improve things that we've been trying to work on uh but there's no end goal like we're always going to have to keep growing and developing and learning and so I think for me 2020 has taught me that um you know, we have to just keep speaking up for the things that matter to us, but recognize that nothing's going to be perfect. Nothing is going to um, just solve itself. Um, I don't know if that's making any sense, but I th- feel like I've just uh, realized that I need to um, celebrate things along the way, even if they are small and we have a hell of a long way to go with things. Um as long as you're doing something and trying, that's that's what matters. See, Lindsay, when, like Tina's response is super fascinating to me because not only is she one of the few people that I've seen who have like emerged from last year who wants to keep going mm. down that path, I think that's pretty interesting. Um, and then the other thing is a, a realization or a recognition that things might not always get solved with a checkbox. Like we're not going to solve coronavirus with a vaccine we're Mm -hmm. not going to solve or with this vaccine we're not going to solve racial injustice by a few social media posts or a black square on instagram on a day and time or whatever what 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 is the work to be done and so for tina on a personal level to have you know that mix of, of 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 search and recognition uh of of reality that's that's a cool person to partner with on some of these challenging issues that we want to explore on the podcast. The other thing about the podcast is that it's not um, we're not expert voices. Like I think we really conceive of it as a platform to explore uh, some of the ideas. And to be honest, I'm nervous about uh, some of the the topics that that we have coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, like I'm doing push-ups, kind of nervous. Like I'm kind of like I got to get ready for this one. Um, <laughs> so, but, but that's a good feeling to, to be able to be aware and vital and, and want to walk into a, a space and, and, and create a platform, uh, for other people's voices, other people's experiences, and then connect that with, with a, a listener that that's, that's, that's great work to, to, that feels good, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's brilliant, the podcast, and, and I'm going to ask you some more detailed questions about it. I want to say to the listener, though, it's like you don't have to be a podcast host or have this big platform to keep moving forward. And mm-hmm. I think it's a really beautiful thing that you guys are both using your platforms to do this. Um, but I think a lot of people can look at who you are or what you do and think, well, what am I supposed to do? You know, like I don't have the following or whatever. But part of that is like searching for what that looks like in your life when you're on your runs. And maybe it's not a podcast that gets thousands of downloads. That's okay. Nobody's way forward looks the same as everybody else's. And also everybody is doing their own work and their own heart and their own lives. So I don't know. I just want to like say that to the listener if you're thinking, well, what am I supposed to do? You know? Mm Mm-hmm. 
I hope we model that. I mean, I, I hope yeah. the podcast to the listener is is even like models the conversation from two people who are very different. You know, one of the only things that Tina and I have in common is a marathon time. No, yours <laughs> is faster. Have we got to that? You beat me. Oh, I didn't know you were that fast, Knox. Jeez. You know, you know, I know He's things. He's faster than me. Wow. That was a. Uh, you know that that was that was awkward in our podcast taping when. <laughs> what are the? Can you guys just drop the PRs real quick so we can, everybody knows just so they know. Tina's chomping at the bit to drop her little time. What, what Tina? What did you even run? I didn't even pay. Isn't it two thirty six or two thirty five? Yeah, two thirty six. That's that's not bad. NBD. That's okay. All right, Knox, you, drop it. What's yours? <laughs> I've done two thirty three in my day. You know, a couple years ago. Double knotted the laces and went out for a quick jog. <laughs> it was a downhill course, tailwind the whole way. You know, that's all. You ran the time. <laughs> what was the course, though? By the way, I ran it. I ran it at Berlin. Oh, okay. Oh my gosh, Berlin! I want to run Berlin someday. Tina, did you fun. run Berlin? No, it's on my list. Okay, yeah. yeah. It was that hype year that Kipchoge was like coming off breaking two, and he was gonna. He was going to do it, break the the record on the roads in 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 Berlin, and uh, the, the the day of the race it was kind of misty, kind of rainy, and the commentators are saying like, Elliot Kipchoge loves this kind of weather because it reminds him of the forest, the humid, cool humidity of the forest where he trains in Kenya. So I was like, this is Kipchoge weather. We're going to do it today. Ah, went out, ran my time, and then afterwards, Kipchoge didn't put the pieces together on that day, and he's just like, ah. The rain. I was like, wait, what about the rain? And so I went out there. I was like, you psyched me up, Kipchoge. But but yeah, a rainy one. Did you uh, tell him that? Because you know him, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, He's... I give him a hard time. It, it's tough to know yeah, when you're fine. sitting around yeah, what, what makes an impact. The guy's like, are you still talking? <laughs> um, what, what was your PR before that race? Um, I guess I had run 236 a few times. Okay. I think 236... Yeah, I, I'd run 236, and then I went into like a whole different level of of training. This was just a couple years uh, ago, so like in in my mid 40s to to level up and to run 100 miles a week, week after week, and to you know kind of really embark on a on a searching mindfulness practice. Kind of all came together um, to to run much farther and faster than I had ever previously anticipated anticipate i'm also proud of, at the tail end of that moment i i ran like 69 and a half too so i'm pretty proud of those wow those motivated to, to to lace up and and go after them again once the the lights come back on on the race scene for sure do you want to break 230 yeah of course yeah of course well i'm thinking but 69 I realize, and a half that's you know yeah I'm realizing like breaking 230 is is the stumbling block. I got to think about running uh -huh. 225 because if you break if you're thinking about breaking 230, you're always just going to run 233, 232. But if I'm thinking about what it's going to take to run 225, then that's a different mindset. Wow, that's so cool. Okay, you know I I had to ask questions about that because obviously you know the marathon talks always exciting. Mm -hmm. Tell us about. What is running realized? Like, tell us the description of the show. Well, it's a podcast which, you know, we've talked already about the, um, a lot of the 
uh, impetus behind it, but it is a show that is uh, highly produced, or at least highly produced for the running space. We're not talking it's about so a, uh, a NPR, <laughs> NPR level here, but it's highly produced. It is. It has six. Is that right? Six segments, Knox. Um, and so there's. Uh, we talk a little bit. We have. Oh no! I guess the first segment is a story from someone within the running space who is either making a change happen, who is um, an inspirational person, gives gives the listener a different perspective of life. Uh, we feature them and having them tell their story through their eyes. So it's very much just them sharing with us, with the world. It's usually very emotional, um, their experience about whatever the topic is going to be for that week. And then we have an interview with some expert who gives us some insights into what that um, episode is about, what is going on behind the scenes, why this could be the way it is. Uh, and then Knox and I break it down, have a conversation about it, uh, about what we've learned, things that stood out to us. Uh, then we give three, at least three takeaways, which is where you said, you know, for the listener, what can I do? one of the goals of running realized is to try and give people like here's something I can do so you mentioned what can the listener do with our episode one which was about the list which Knox can talk about in a minute um the one of the calls to action was go to USATF's website and type in your zip code you can see what running clubs are available to you and then you can go volunteer or support or something so one of the goals is to be able to give people actionable things they can do at their own level um, and then the final segment is a um, uh, some kind of creative piece from someone within the running space. So it's going to be like a poem or part of a book read or um, so we, we're thinking, I don't know if we want to give too much away, Knox, but about some of the upcoming ones, because they're really cool. But um, just something creative from someone within the running space to, to wrap it all up. And uh, we had Circa 95 give, uh, let us play a part of their song in episode one which was so cool um and yeah anything you, i missed Knox? no i mean that is it's it sounds like heavy lifting but uh, you know to put that much um content in in one episode but mm. i think hopefully it's a it's like a cohesive experience for the listener to kind of step into that conversation that's what i was saying like the relationship with tina like hopefully it is a model for folks or a potential model for folks in their own lives. Like, how do you share about an issue? How do you explore something without the need to be right all the time? How do you move into an uncomfortable or a new subject um, with openness and, and not sort of have these barriers where we're afraid of being judged or we're afraid to to be wrong? Um, how do we uh, how do we set ourselves up to make mistakes? I'm <laughs> dragging Tina into mistake making oh no I am definitely up there I mean yeah you've seen that with yeah it's definitely learning for both of us <laughs> how do you handle the uncomfortableness of some of the topics you're going to cover you mentioned you had to do push-ups to kind of prep yourself for that how are you handling that and like the feedback that you think you might or may not receive I mean it's real life I mean I was only half joking about that but <laughs> You know, it's just like with running as a metaphor, um, you know, we really have to kind of embrace that. We really have to sit down and, and, and think about it. And that's just kind of how I live my life. I mean, um, I, I think part of my temperament, but also just, you know, growing up black in America, like I, I've, I've 
spent my entire life thinking about some of these challenging things. And once you have a process for embracing that discomfort, then it applies to um, other aspects of your life. So for me, kind of thinking about, you know, my own perspective on, 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 you know, culture or, or blackness in America also is a, a rubric for me to understand um, perhaps what women might be experiencing, or it's a, it's an opportunity for me to kind of like listen to the voices um, of, of underrepresented athletes or runners um, in, in other aspects. And so that, that can apply to a whole range of, of identities um, and, and, and challenges, you know? So I think that's part of the, the inspiration for, for the show as well is kind of showing ourselves to be vulnerable enough to explore these ideas. All right, friends, a quick break here to thank Prevenex for supporting this podcast. Prevenex is where I go to for all of my vitamin supplements, protein powder, and kids' vitamins. They have a product called Joint Health Plus. It not only alleviates joint pain, it also protects your joints so that you can have longevity in this sport. I use it myself every single day. We have seen so many raving reviews about this products from runners in this community. So many runners have found improvement in the inflammation that they have and are feeling their best using Joint Health Plus. You can all check it out and definitely check out their protein powder as well. The Neurofy Plus protein powder that they have, we use that every day here at our house. Two scoops provides 20 grams of protein and it has all sorts of vitamins and minerals in it as well. So check out Prevenex, the best products on the market. They are clean. They are effective. You can use the code ANOTHER at checkout, Prevenex.com. Use the code ANOTHER and you will get 15% off your order. All right, friends, back to my conversation with Tina and Knox. So the show, I know the first episode is, is the list. Can you guys tell us what the list is? Yeah, the list is the list is like a is like a, an interesting thing. The, the list comes from this idea. Um, there's a man named Gary Corbett. He's the fa- the son of Ted Corbett, uh, who's sort of seen as the father of ultra distance running in America. He was the first Black American to represent the United States in the Olympic marathon. Uh, first president of New York Roadrunners helped create the the New York City Marathon course. Incredible icon um, in running culture. Uh, and we're starting to see his legend burnished over time and, and more and more people kind of find out about him. His son, Gary, has been great to really establish the ongoing history of uh, Black American participation in distance running starting in the late 19th century. Um, and <laughs> one of his emails that he sends out, uh, there was something called the list, the, the list of the Black American women who have broken three hours in the marathon. And you're like, all right, well. Let's open this email up. And the email was short. <laughs> it was only, uh, you know, there was, well, I might have got the email a couple years ago and there might have been like nine names on the list. And I like knew some of the people in real life, you know, um, the, the list has since expanded. And, and now there's, there's, but there's still fewer than 20, 20 names on this list as, as Gary wow. Corbett has organized it. Um, you tell that to folks, black, white, brown, whoever, whoever. And I was like, ah, oh, no, that can't be true. And then you're like, you let them wait for it. And then you can see it happen. They go back and they think about 
the black women they know who run and they're trying to come up with a name and then it, 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 it really might be that finite. There really might be fewer than 20 black American women who have broken three hours in the marathon. Now, the list, uh, like any list, is arbitrary. The, the three-hour barrier is, is arbitrary. So when people kind of like take it too seriously, I'm like, mm. it's, it's not the point. The point, is, the, the point is like by putting a frame on something, it helps us understand it. It's not about getting on the list or not being on the list or who it's about the idea that the list points to. Um, and so for our first episode, we um, interviewed Marilyn Bevins, who was the first black woman, uh, as far as we have records of who broke three hours in the marathon. She did that in the early seventies um, and, and was really like a world-class runner um, in her day second at, at Boston in 78 behind Mickey Gorman. So a real trailblazer in that era. And then we also interviewed the fastest woman at that list. So that's Simia Akbar, who ran uh, 2.34 at the New York City Marathon uh, back in 2008. So to hear those voices united over one concept, but um, different generations and different experiences was, was super fascinating for us to explore um, on the show. Mm-hmm. Well, and I can't say enough about how well done it the the show is and and when tina said it's more highly produced and she said don't compare us to the npr though no it it is that good it is that well produced and the storytelling where you you know i i can just picture as a podcaster what went into the behind the scenes like you're feeding her questions but she's telling the story and then your voice is kind of removed or whatever from that storytelling piece and it's just I can only imagine the hours of work that went into making that sound as professional and well done as it is. So, so well done to you, you both and to John and the music is great. Well done. Thank you. And we have got to add uh, a few more names. uh, Yes, go. Have helped us definitely. So uh, Daniel Brunel has done the sound design mix and original music. And then we have uh, Gordon Bramley, who's the editor um maria uh, marie de monte is the um created the cover art and uh Knox, i would love for you to say a bit about about her and and how she made that piece because it's so amazing how she did it and then uh toby kelleher did the the text um so we do have it's not just us and in addition to john um but we ha- we do have a whole team behind us but yes it is a lot of work but yeah, Knox, tell the tell the listeners about the um, the cover art that um, Mari made. Yeah, we just wanted to do something. I mean, it's an original woodcut, so Mari, um, uh, as a, as a great artist, uh, it's her side thing, but uh, does have a background in the arts, and so she made an original woodcut with you know tools, um, <laughs> and she's sending me like the work in progress, and I was like, well, she's taking it too far, as I hoped. <laughs> so yeah, she really created this original. Um, again, woodcut with, with hand tools and then created the, the print with ink. And so that sort of stylized and her color selection and all that really speaks to, I think her and, and as Toby kind of like helped frame it up on a graphic design level after, I think it really kind of speaks to, you know, kind of like political broadsheets from, you know, the 20th century and just has a little bit of a, a different energy, um, to it just as like a reference to maybe the the social justice aspect of, of the show so hopefully it, the the cover art is a little energetic in it and it draws people into to what we're cooking up and then i want to ask you both like 
the risk you're taking for like going so big, right? Like this is a lot of investment for mm-hmm. you to to do this. And like, you never know, like, is this going to work? How, you know, so talk about what it's worth to you and what your big dreams are for the show. I firstly just want to say thank you to Tracksmith. We wouldn't be able to do this without them. Um, they have been a huge support for us and, and made this possible. Um, I mean, it's hard, it's hard to envision it because there's so many topics. And even as we go through an episode, usually as we're going through an episode, we get what, three, four ideas for other future episodes. There's so many things we could cover. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would love for this. I mean, it kind of is in some ways to go beyond just the running space and make it be uh, yeah, a cultural piece that people use as a way to understand um, some of the the discussions that are going on, some of the changes that are happening. And just as we mentioned earlier, like the shift in in seeing things through a different lens, through a different perspective, um, maybe where we have uh, maybe written people off or had a certain opinion of something, hearing this and, and just seeing it differently, thinking about something. We have one coming in a few weeks that I think is really going to make people think about the way they cheer for people in races. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah, so there's a lot of um, elements that, yeah, I would love for it to uh, end up just as not just uh, big in the running space, but in in the general space of the world. I don't know. Knox, I want to hear what you have to say here. Yeah, I think, I think, um, I just want to normalize uh, discourse, civil discourse and conversation. I really think that that it's cool. You know, there's so much virtue signaling that we see, maybe not enough, but there's a lot of virtue signaling that we see, especially on social media. People, you know, really want to get credit for their book lists and uh, yes. their activist. All of a sudden it's like, cool, cool story. But, um, but I'd really like to, um, to just have a model for for people unpacking something challenging, I think that the the the, the medley of voices with you know a, a white woman from from England and like a black dude from the United States just having passion for running and an interest in social justice. What does that friendship look like? What is the, you know really this is this is kind of also listening to in on on what a conversation on the phone would be with with me and Tina like to her point about like yeah having questions and 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 you know having that friend circle like this is an opportunity to take some of that inspiration and and share it with folks again you know i think before last year i think that we were starting to see little kind of um there was interest in in the lost art of conversation and then uh, we lost a lot of ground <laughs> last year. Um, and and, and uh, so hopefully as things kind of calm down, we can really normalize conversations again and really not just shout each other down or, or you know, meet others with silence. But how do we really speak with one another, you know? Wow. Okay, I'm going to ask a question that's like really basic and I don't know. Some people might think it's annoying, but I'm going to ask anyway. <laughs> What do you both say to the person who, you know, did the black square last summer, who like really rallied, who, like you said, showed their book lists and like really wanted to do the work, but now feels like, is it, am I doing, am I like 
posting about this too much? Am I not posting enough? Like worried that people are going to judge them either way. I know that's so basic, but I think a lot of people feel that way. Like what, 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 what do I do in this world on social media? Uh, Tina, I'm interested. Please. <laughs> uh, well, what comes to mind to me is a uh, conversation where I heard Emmanuel Acho recently talking about the fact that um, you, you, uh, that if you're gonna be an ally, if you're gonna be someone who speaks for underrepresented groups, or you have passion for something, you feel that something isn't working the way that it should, something needs to change you need to be able to to speak up and say it and that means a lot of it is being prepared to have people as as pathetic as this can sound but it's what people are scared of is be prepared for people to unfriend you be prepared for people to say i i'm not gonna listen to your perspective like you're not you know you don't understand this or whatever like be prepared to lose people be um it really is going to be what matters to you. I mean, we're not, there's certain things that others may be passionate about and want to speak about that for me aren't something that I'm willing to, to stick it all out there and say like, this is really important to me, but there are, everyone is going to have some elements, some things, just as we all have um, loved ones or people who have gone through certain health conditions and those are going to be important to us. Um, so I think it's about, you've got to find what matters to you um, and ideally, you know, we should all be doing all of them, but we also only have so much headspace. Um, so I just feel that, um, if you have, you want to continue to educate yourself. I mean, that is, uh, there's no question about that. You want to continue to read and, and watch and listen and learn. Um, but we've got to think beyond the fact that your parents might be from a different generation and they may not agree with you. I mean, I've had uncomfortable conversations with my parents, not that they um, have particularly wanted those conversations, but because I've said, this is really important to me that we speak about this. Um, and so you have to be prepared to to deal with exactly what Knox and I are doing with this podcast, going through those uncomfortable conversations, saying the wrong thing and being able to say, sorry, that was not right. I, I meant to say this and then moving on or talking to your parents about it, even if that means them saying like, you know, you're getting into a bit of a discussion on a weekend, set aside a time to to have a conversation with people. So that's a very long winded and rambly answer. But I think if it means enough to you, you'll find a way to, to deal with that fear of being judged or fear of losing people, fear of losing followers or whatever it might be. And Lindsay, you and I talked last week and I said, I feel so much having stepped out in this direction of where I'm going. I don't care anymore. Like if people, if I'm not speaking to you and you want to go find someone else, go like that's your, that's on you. That's your choice. But this is who I am. This is what matters to me. So I'm going to keep talking about it. I love that. I mean, one of the things that Tina's speaking to is the spirit of curiosity. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that if we're kind of waking up each day, you know, that's there in, in running. That's what keeps our, our running uh, engaging. That's what keeps our running practice vibrant is that curiosity, like, what can I do? How do I feel? What What's the run going to be like today? Maybe sometimes it's performance-based, like how fast could I go or how far could I go? But honestly, like that can apply to so many different aspects of running. And the same is, is true um, for conversations such as these, you know having that curiosity to uh, in investigate ideas and 
to hear other people's perspectives is really just a good antidote for um, not only any intimidation or trepidation folks might have, but also for folks who, who think they got it all figured out. Like as long as your kind of reset and default mode is, is one of curiosity, then you're in a good place rather than kind of like lording your work wokeness over people you don't even know on social media. It's like, ah, that, that doesn't really kind of um, spark notes of curiosity. But as long as we're kind of coming with a, a humility <clears throat> that, that to that conversation, then I think that's probably our, our best way forward. And then the last piece to that question and, and kind of topic, I think that is, is the grace you know, side to this, because I feel like people are constantly in judgment mode now. Like who, what, what are somebody's motives? What aren't their motives? Um, do you guys have feeling feelings on, on that piece coming from where you both are in in your life and your, your work and your mission with this podcast? Uh, I, I definitely have, yeah, some thoughts about that. Like it's, I think that, yeah, there's a very fine line between speaking up and standing and saying things and saying, you know, this is who I am. This is what I'm going to speak about and not being like, you guys are so wrong and write, going to write a massive Facebook post about like, I'm not tolerating you and your, um, you know, your, your views anymore. I'm, you know, just yelling at people essentially because no one is going to listen to that. And Knox um, and I were talking earlier about like, the the humanity aspect of things uh, we have to keep bringing that back into the conversation um, to remind ourselves that we are all human beings we are um, we to be able to learn and to be able to grow you, as Knox just said a minute ago you have to be able to listen and you have to be able to understand that people are going to have different point of views and if you're going to come at it with curiosity that's that's all you, that's what you need to do it's not about yelling at people and saying i'm right you're wrong um and so yeah that's what what comes to mind to me which is you know sometimes not easy to do when people put it, you know in the in the climate that we are in right now um did you have any thoughts on that Knox? before i move on yeah it's just it's just it could be anything right there's 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 something in that we're starting to understand there's something in these apps these social media apps there's something in our, our, our national discourse that's kind of making us rabid. Yeah. <laughs> you know? so, um, really, uh, what, what, whatever the topic might be, folks just really like lose their minds. And so how do we disconnect that impulse? How do we kind of like defrag our communications? And, and really, I think that's only going to benefit all of these conversations that are, that are ongoing, whether, it's a debate, a debate over, you know, um, women's marathon world record, or it's about, um, you know, the events happening in, in, in the streets and cities around, around the United States. So I think it's really just about, um, just returning to that civility and being able to apply to your point, that grace and empathy in all aspects of our conversations and so many aspects about our lives of our lives. This, this is why I love that you guys are doing this podcast so much because like you talked about the curiosity piece. It's like if I can just try to understand why this person believes what they believe and, and feels the way they feel, that is going to provide that empathy that I need. And I think that's exactly what you are doing on this podcast. You're providing us a peek 
into the lives of these people who we might not understand their perspective, but now hopefully we'll understand it just a little bit more through these conversations and the storytelling. Mm -hmm. That's the goal. Like the story cracks through to make you think, oh, oh, wow. And then the interview is the piece that is going to make you can go down that a little bit more. And then Knox and I discussing it is really the, the processing it of, okay, how can I, how can I change this or how can I improve this? So yeah, that, thank you. That's a nice compliment to hear. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in a world of so much talking, it's so, it's so refreshing to feel and see the action happening. And like I said, not everybody's going to have, you know, this big podcast, but that's okay. But it's just, I hope that this motivates other people to take action in their own way, whatever that looks like. And I thank you guys for putting this podcast together. No, thank you for having us. Um, let's wrap up. I haven't done these questions with you in a while, Tina, like for literally, no, five years almost. So, what? Yeah. I mean, I launched wow. my podcast in April of 2016. Crazy. Oh my God. Yeah, that is crazy. And so you <laughs> mu I must have interviewed you in March because I launched with you or you were, you know, the first week. So um, I'm going to ask you both these questions. We'll run them down. Are you guys OK on time for like four more minutes? Sure. Yes, please. OK. What is one thing professionally or personally that you'd like to do that you haven't done? Oh, I feel like Noxa. Well, I know we have one that's very similar. Um, for me, the first thing that jumps to mind is uh, see, this is I, I want to say this is embarrassing, but it's I know it's not, but it's huge. I want to write a book that ends up on the New York Times bestseller list. I love so. it. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> Tina, I was just <laughs> listening to a podcast and the person was saying, if your dreams or like what you want to do doesn't sometimes feel embarrassing, then you're probably not dreaming big enough. And it's mm -hmm. like, not that I think you should be embarrassed to say that, but you get those feelings when you say oh, something yeah. that like feels really big, like, oh, does anybody think I actually like could do that? But well, and for me, looking at like Alexi Pappas and I'm like, I, as far as I know, Alexi hasn't done that. And I'm like, if Alexi can't do it, like, I mean, it hasn't yet, I should Maybe say. Maybe she will. Uh, how am I? So there's that thought that comes oh, through. Yeah. But yes, that is that is my the one that jumps to mind for me. Own it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, for me, it's, it's also, I'd, I'd, I'd love to write a book. I, I have spent a long time tinkering around, around with a, 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 a book that mixes, um, running and running culture and, um, elements of trashy 1970s, uh, spy novels. <laughs> so, oh my gosh. Needless to say, it's going slow, but that's also <laughs> something that i haven't done yet if hopefully i will let's see oh my gosh i love that what's an accomplishment you're most proud of i mean it's little wins every day right you know uh you know laughing the fact that i'm able to connect with the technology necessary to get this podcast taped is, is up there <laughs> definitely up in the top 10 of lifelong accomplishments um but uh i don't know i'm proud to to be, uh, I'm proud to be a father for sure. Um, to two amazing kids, so I'm definitely proud, proud to be a dad. And that's where I struggled because my first thought was becoming a mother. But then, and you know this, well, both of you know this that, um, you know, when you say that when you have more than one, was that the first one? Does that mean the first one <laughs> means more? Like, so I'm gonna go the sheet answer and just go back to my default for many years, which was re representing Great Britain in a world championship, which is possibly the 
Well, no, if you had me in March 2016, that was the month I did it. Yeah. So I don't know if I'd just done it or maybe I hadn't quite. I think you had but just it, done it because I feel like we okay. talked about it. Okay. So, yeah, so that ago. would be my cheap cop out. <laughs> um, the interviewing skills were probably super cringy. Don't listen, guys. Don't go back. Get to know Tina now through this interview if I'm the one behind the mic doing the interview. Um, well, I always say with kids – you have a different favorite kid on different days, depending on how people are behaving, but they're all your favorite. <laughs> That's true. Um, okay. Wh- who is someone fun, motivating, or inspiring that, I mean, I feel like Knox, you've met like all, you know, you're, you're friends with Kipchoge, so whatever, but who is someone fun, motivating, or inspiring that you haven't had coffee, tea, or cocktail with yet that you would love to sit down with and, and have a conversation with? Tina. Sorry, I should have prepped you. I usually uh, I mean, do when not, I space. You know, you know who mine is. I'm not going to say their name, but you know who it is. I'm going to say Brene Brown, who is number one on my list. So, yeah. Do you have someone else that you're not sharing? It, it's it's in the works. Oh, okay, slowly. okay. So you don't okay. You don't want to <laughs> spill the beans because it might happen. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> it's going to happen. It's gonna happen. Oh, I know who it is. I know who it is. I'm not saying, but yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. <laughs> For me, I, I'm still kind of hung up, you know, when, when I was working as a journalist uh, in, in the music biz, um, you would have these kind of like lists of stories, a list of people you always wanted to interview, mm. always chasing that story. Um, it's probably no surprise, like I'm a lifelong Lauren Hill fan. Oh, <laughs> so yes. I was always chasing yes. this Lauren Hill story right when she was really heading off the grid, uh, so to speak. So um, always putting in requests, always trying to like find someone who knew and would connect and then one time I was in Detroit interviewing the White Stripes and I was like kicked back in my hotel room and then the phone rang and it was like Lauren Hill. Like someone gave her my number and she oh was like, God. I understand you're, you're, you're looking for me. And I'm like, <laughs> uh, yeah. And I just, she just like went on this wild rant phone conversation. And I just remember like watching TV with the sound down, like not recording the conversation with Lauren Hill talking through me wild about like biblical prophecies and all this. And I was like, wow, this is incredible, but this is also really a wild, bizarre experience. So long story short, I'm still crushing on Lauren Hill. Um, <laughs> the miseducation of Lauren Hill. That was like, I remember riding on the bus to like football games in high school. I was a cheerleader and having my disc men listening to the miseducation of Lauren Hill. Was so good. Lindsay, don't, do, don't do that because <laughs> the album just turned 25 last week. So well, don't, don't date yourself. That, I you age know. myself. It's <laughs> real crazy. Yikes. It's true. Yeah. I loved that album. Um, yeah. And the White Stripes, that's so cool. So you've talked to Jack White? Yeah. It, it was awesome. Um, he was wearing green. It was cool. Like, showed up and, like, we drove around Detroit, him and Meg, like, in, like, their tour van. And they were just looking at old Motown buildings and just hanging out. Like he's like a, have, they're definitely like cool personalities and Jack's like a, a heavy dude for sure. Oh my gosh. I love the tours. He's the tours too, right? Yeah, exactly. So good. Wow. You're, you know, you see why I said I was too intimidated too to cool. talk to him. <laughs> well, the Lauren Hill story <laughs> is totally different, but it kind of reminds me after the 2018, I think 18, New York City Marathon and Mary Katani one, I somehow got in touch with her agent and I was like dying to interview her. And I 
called her hotel room like I kid you not 50 times that day like I was trying so (laughs) hard and then by the time I snagged the interview like I got in touch with her um we had to do it over this weird call recorder that wasn't what I was used to and the audio was terrible and I was just like so nervous the whole time because I knew I was only going to get like 15 minutes of her time um I'm still super proud though of like the like go get her like I am going to interview Mary Gatani <laughs> the winner of the New York City Marathon because especially when it's not an American it's harder to like get in touch with that person you mm, know sure. and I oh I know I called her agent too cuz I somehow got his number and he was like in the airport like so annoyed with me and I was like what can you do anything to provide any information about how I can get in touch with her I don't know that I would hustle that hard right now but 3 years ago I was like doing it <laughs> I love that you yeah. did that. Persistence. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, if you go back and listen, the audio is terrible. But I did have a conversation with her and it was it was quite wonderful. Okay. I don't know why I made that about me, but I did. No, I loved hearing that. I'm <laughs> glad you did. Okay. What is the – two more questions. What is the best, most recent book you've read? No, because if you have one at the top of your head, go. Because I'm trying to decide which one to say. I've been in love with this uh, collection of poetry by um, a, a, a poet working in St. Louis. The, the, the book is called Homie, H-O-M-I-E, and the poet is Dane Smith. Um, and uh, yeah, <laughs> the writing is super intense, um, you know, uh, super exciting, super exhilarating to read, um, super challenging to, to read. So shout out to, to Dane Smith, definitely one of the the best books I've come across in the, in the in recent years. You didn't tell me he was from St. Louis. What are you doing? Get over here and come meet Dane Smith and yeah, come hang out a, with me. For sure. <laughs> um, okay, I've decided that I've already mentioned him once, but I really enjoyed Emmanuel Acho's Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man book. I felt like he just had a good balance of like uh, education, teaching, um, heart, and just a lot of the things we were talking about earlier. So. I'd probably say that one. So the dude did all that. He loved the book. And then he what what did he do with the now? He just now he's hosting The Bachelor. I yeah, heard he, that. He is. Yeah, Lindsay's going to so, love that. Yeah. So he went through all the uncomfortable black man, this and that, something. <laughs> he loved the book. And then all of a sudden now he just hosting The Bachelor. I okay, feel like just, you have feelings on this, Knox. Give us, we need no, more details. <laughs> I was just like, wait, this dude went from this to that like all right cool maybe he's hoping to bring those conversations to the bachelor i will say um yeah, i'm a loyal like, i'm a like loyal watcher and of course yeah and they've had conversations this year in Tasha's season and um matt's season that they haven't had before um there's some weird stuff going on right now though so we'll see we'll see what happens yeah. it was um, a, isn't that dude a run isn't that isn't it one of the guys a runner Matt James, he well, runs, uh, he yeah. runs with Brooklyn track out on this side. Yeah, for sure. Have you met him too? Of course you have. <laughs> you, do I look like I hang out with the cast of The Bachelor? Come on. <laughs> I actually think though, Matt James, I keep saying this, he's too good for The Bachelor. Like he is the full package, it seems. And so um, he actually, I'm going to say, I feel like he's a guy that you would hang out with. He seems really nice. He does this um, give back food program. In New York City. I don't know what it is, but this is too much. Tina, we have to have this guy in running real life. I sound uneducated. I, here. Don't, know, I don't know who this person is. I've never watched The Bachelor in my life. Google so. him. He seems okay. very kind. Okay. 
What is your last message you want to leave with the audience today? Uh, I think for me, it would just be reiterating what you said earlier, just because you don't have a platform, just because you don't, you know, you might hear uh, myself, Knox or Lindsay talking about, um, you know, things saying what we're doing and, and speaking out, we may have this confidence. It doesn't mean you can't do something within your own life. Maybe you are on the PTA at your school, you can have these conversations in some way there. Maybe it is um, like me, you're obsessed with the climate emergency and getting the word out, you could start composting. Uh, you know, if you have the privilege to be able to pay for it, pay for it to get your composting picked up. Um, you can do something within your own life. It doesn't have to be on a big scale. Mm. Uh, but there are things you can do that will make a difference. I love that. I mean, for me, I would just, I would just say, you know, maybe for today, lead with love. You know, I think that we're at a time now where it's an incredible call to action to make radical changes um, in in our lives and and the way we perceive our lives. Um, and I think that a, a great way to do that is is leading with love. Lead with love. Thank you guys for coming on the show. Thank you for having us. This has been fun. All right, everybody. Thanks for being here today. Thank you, Tina and Knox, for sharing what's going on with Running Realized and taking part of this podcast. I hope that you all will go check it out and see what it's all about. All right. You can find Tina on Instagram. She is Tina Muir 88. You can find Knox on Instagram. He is first run on Instagram. You can find me on Instagram. I am Lindsay Hines 626. You can find me on Twitter at Lindsay Hine, and you can find me on Facebook. I'll have another podcast with Lindsay Hine. If you are in the market to look for new podcasts beyond Running Realized, don't forget, I started a parenting podcast. It's called Why Is Everyone Yelling? Something I find myself saying all the time at my house. It's a great resource for any parents out there, so definitely give it a shot if that is something you are into. All right, enjoy the rest of your day and we will see you this Friday with a new episode. Have a great day.